Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Hey girl, hey. How you doing? I'm good, sis. How are you? I'm doing well. God is good. And I say that because, girl, you know how life be, especially <laughs> in corporate America. Yeah. <laughs> but I am happy to be here with you to talk about our our first film for Black History Month. Yeah, yeah. This I mean, year, anyway. Every month is Black History Month for us, but y'all Period. know we make it a blackety, blackety, black, black for Black History Month. So there you go. Yes. And part of the Black experience, especially here in America, <laughs> is love and joy and fun. And that's why we chose Think Like a Man. 2012 film rated PG-13. It's now available on Netflix. Here's a quick synopsis. For one reason or another, friends Dominic, Jeremy, Michael, and Zeke just can't seem to seal the deal with the women in their lives. When their lovely ladies buy a book by comic Steve Harvey, and start to apply its advice to their relationship, this band of brothers gets all shook up. Learning that they had been betrayed by one of their own, Dominic and his friends conspire to use the book's teaching to turn the tables. This is a star-studded film with a lot of our faves. Dominic being (laughs) Black, Hollywood royalty, Michael Ely. Top eyes, girl. In my top, Ashley, he's in my top five. So yeah. Ashley, you know, I gave, I didn't give, but in my household with my sister, certain people went to certain people, right? (laughs) She had first dibs on Michael Ely because I couldn't see it in barbershop. I could not. It was all his post barbershop stuff that was like, oh, I get it now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, Even their eyes were watching God, which devastated me. Girl, (sighs) girl. (sighs) And so I feel like I get it more and more now, even though he's more of a serial killer in more recent things. (laughs) He's just stretching. (laughs) We have Jerry Ferreira as Jeremy. We know him from Entourage and more recently Power. Megan Good or Miss Good if you're nasty <laughs> as Maya, Regina Hall as Candace, Black Hollywood royalty, Kevin Hart as Cedric, we know future legend, Taraji P. Hinton as Lauren, Black Hollywood royalty, Terrence Jenkins as Michael, you know, he does this thing. I want to know who was in the car. I digress. <laughs> Jennifer Lewis as Loretta, the mother of Black Hollywood. 
Happy belated birthday, sis. Rami Malko as Zeke. Um, I love him. Like, I don't think he gets enough play. My favorite roles for him was definitely 40-year-old version. Like, that, this role and his role in Blades of Glory, really, really appreciate his work. Gary Owen and Bennett. Did we still claim him? I don't think I ever really did, but sure. Okay. Sure. You know how it is with him divorcing his black wife that he always liked to remind us. <laughs> I mean, he may have another black girlfriend, but that's, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you belong with us. <laughs> you know, <I> just, <laughs> different facets of that. So Gabrielle Union as Kristen. We know what it is. Black Hollywood royalty. Lala Anthony as Sonia. We have this film directed by Tim Story. Uh, he's done a lot of work with Kevin Hart. He's also done Barbershop and more recently the Tom and Jerry films. Screenwriters, Keith Merriman and David A. Newman. They've done work with Tim Story as well. Will Packer being the producer extraordinaire. Again, working with Kevin Hart in a lot of our favorite fun movies like Girls Trip. Steve Harvey as an executive producer. And we're going to go ahead and talk about these grades. Rotten Tomatoes gave this film 54% critics, 79% audience score. And our faves Google user gave this an 88%. What's your grade? I'm actually more on par with the Rotten Tomatoes audience score this time, which I gave this a C. I'm not sure how I felt when the film first came out, but 10 years later, there's just some aspects of it that I don't feel like held up very well. Yeah. And it felt stereotypical in a way that I just don't enjoy as much now. Still moments of humor and levity with the cast that I love, um, but it's probably just not on my recurring list of films to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like some other black classics, like a low down dirty shame that I just, and boomerang <laughs> that I just will watch no matter what platform they appear on. Brown so, sugar. Exactly. What about for you? So I actually gave this film a B plus only because I didn't like it when it came out, when it first came out. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually liked I like it more now and I know exactly what parts you're talking about that didn't age very well, but there's elements to this movie that are surprisingly deep that I appreciate, even though the product placement of Steve Harvey's 2009 book, act like a lady, think like a man is literally, I don't know if the contract was like, show the book every five minutes or not, but (laughs) It was, it was definitely, you're not missing it. How about that? (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and say spoiler alert. All right, Ashley. So I want to start off with a question. What were you doing in 2012? Man, I had just graduated from college with my undergrad a couple years prior. So I was probably trying to get my adulting life together yeah, and trying to figure out what I was doing in my early heading into my mid twenties, you know, trying to work, trying to get my life together. And I just, I think ended a very significant relationship. So Mm, this probably would have been really interesting to get that Ashley's take on this particular film. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's part of the reason why I didn't necessarily enjoy this film in the beginning because I just felt like I actually was getting married that year. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt like in some ways, I don't know how I feel about taking relationship advice from a man who's been divorced twice. (laughs) How about you? Just from a man in general, because I get the point it's supposed to be, oh, I'm showing you guys, you know, the way that men think and this, this and that that's to be of, of help. But it's almost like, so are you telling me every single man is the same? The rule book that women should play out of should be the exact same. Like there's no nuance to anything. There's no diversity within people and situations. You know what I mean? It's just, again, it seems so stereotypical because they even lay out these types of men. And I'm like, okay, it's very dated to me, but okay. (laughs) I know. I know. And I, I agree. I agree with you. And then did you read this book? No, or know someone who've, who's read it. No, but I'm guaranteeing you Lori must have read it because literally I have in my notes, Lori Harvey clearly got the playbook. Like if nobody Girl. else got the playbook, Lori got that playbook. Although I think her mama needs to write the book because that's where she's getting all her lessons. Uh, she de- her mama definitely needs to write a book. <laughs> Put a whole chapter in there. What I taught Lori. Okay. So to your point earlier, Ashley, this book plays up different archetypes and specifically relationship types. Um, So we'll start with the women, right? So we have Gabrielle Union's character, who is the lady who wants the ring with the noncommittal boyfriend. We have the single mother navigating the dating waters with a son. We have a woman. Megan Good, Maya, who can't seem to have a man claim her, unfortunately. So we have the 90-day rule versus the cheater. And then we have the high-powered woman who wants a man exactly like herself and the dreamer. Out of these relationships, before we go further into the conversation was there any particular one that you were more excited to see over over another I'm not sure if there was one that I could say I was more excited to see but I think the chemistry between Michael Ely and Taraji was the most palpable throughout the film it was hot I saw Uh, tongue I was like no and I was like was he married he was not he I'm pretty sure he was not my god (laughs) I would have been feeling some type of way, but it's also, you know, always an interesting dynamic to see the woman who is so hyper successful career wise, almost reminded me of one of our favorites, something new and to see her navigate the waters of dating and what her expectations are versus possibly what actually makes her happy. You know what I mean? And I think as you and I both have gone further in our careers, we fully can understand that mindset as well as the realities that come with you know your partner and whatever that may actually look like in your day-to-day life so they were probably the most interesting to me Mm -hmm. for me I I was more interested in the player versus the 90-day rule just because Zeke was dangerous Ashley like the way his game was so smooth I'm like the manipulation of it all. Mm-hmm. Like you, I, I mean, being out here in these dating waters, you literally have to be on your P's and Q's because you can get got real quick. That's why you can't fall for them lips, ladies. I mean, you can fall for them lips, but not, 
just talking. You know what I mean, Delore? You know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I mean, because as you can see, even the uh, one little interaction he had with Kelly Rowland's character, what's up, yes. Kelly? Um, yes. You know, to just so easily try to slip in there and play that whole game of, oh, let me show you something and let me say something that nobody else is going to say to you and figure out the heart of what's going on with you just so I can smash. Yeah, I didn't I didn't appreciate that at all. Not at all. As I mentioned, these women, Maya, Candace, Lauren and Kristen are all trying to be happy in their relationships. And of course, this best-selling book they saw on Vicky, which is a play off of Oprah, I'm sure, played by the wonderful Sherry Shepard. Steve Harvey was being interviewed. And of course, they picked up this book. The thing about this movie that had me cracking up was how this book was just sold out because so many people needed this book in their lives, Ashley. <laughs> just the best-selling book since the Bible out here. And- <laughs> And basically they pick up this book and they started to hold their dating lives in their own hands with a level of intention that they did not have before. Was this concept something new to you, Ashley? Being intentional in your dating? No, I don't think it's a new concept, but I think to your point earlier, interesting to have this level supposedly a fandom over a guy writing a book. I feel like the only person who kind of uh, went against that was Taraji. She was like, "Ugh, you're yeah. reading that book. Everybody's I feel like that would be more of some women's reactions than just yes. this mayhem towards trying to. I mean, we even saw oh, he has men. the answers. Yeah. <laughs> even gay men were flocking to try to yes. get this book. Right. Like it was just, you know, a hype up. But no, I mean, I, I think especially again, to speak to age and to speak to experiences, you become much more intentional based off of your experiences. And once you better know yourself and once you better know what you're looking for, you're better able to navigate the dating waters. Absolutely. And I forgot to mention Cedric, another guy, a part of the group, he's actually actively going through a divorce during this time. So these guys, they come together, they play their basketball and they commune over their love lives. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was Maya's character. I'll start with her and how she couldn't get a guy to claim her or better yet, remember her name. I'm not going to lie. That was funny how every time Chris Brown character saw her, it was a different M name. Like, what's up, Monica? What's up? I mean, Mallory, like it was a mess, but I, I got what they were trying to do. But that was funny to me. <laughs> he was a trash bag for real. <laughs> Stole her coffee. How dare you? How dare he? But what I thought was interesting is that as soon as she talked to her girlfriend and established her intentions of dating with implementing the 90 day rule, guess who shows up same day? But he was not the prize when she first Girl, met him that he becomes true. later. That's the thing. It's like, had she not established this rule, he would have been another unfortunate player that got into her pants and was not looking for anything that she was looking for. But, you know, what's interesting, too, is I remember Megan Good prior to her marriage to Devon Franklin felt like she was dealing with this. And so that's yes. why she became celibate. And that's why yes. she said. I decided to just kind of take that off the table because I did not feel like I was getting what I was looking for. And again, unfortunately her going through a divorce, but she obviously found 
that partner she was looking for at the time. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting. Some of these roles that were brought up, especially in their relationship dynamic, uh, her wanting to be, um, a keeper and not a sports fish. Did he really put that in his book, Ashley? He must have, girl. He must have. He said I mean, only two types of men. Only what do you say? Not two types of men go fishing, but men only fish for two fish reasons. Two plant, yep, for two reasons, right? So the the show off of the three hundred pound tuna, the trophy, the trophy, or you know, take home um, the chirp chirp rule, Ashley. <laughs> Are you a chirp chirp girl? So are we saying chirp chirp girl means that you don't wait for a man to hold the door open for you? You just get into the car of your own free will? Yes. You hear the chirp chirp and you just go right in. I do not feel like I'm the type of woman who has established those type of hard and fast gender requirements where it's like a guy always has to open the door for me. I see it as a very nice thing when a guy does that sort of thing. But I think there are other things to look for. Again, when I speak to stereotypical, I think there's ways in which that we subscribe norms to gender that I just don't necessarily subscribe to um, Mm. anymore. It's old school. It's beautiful. I get it. Yeah, but I just I don't necessarily subscribe to all of those things. What about you? Are you saying chivalry's dead, Ashley? Is I'm not saying, saying chivalry is dead. I I'm think teasing. it's yeah, I'm I think teasing. it's still beautiful. But I think sometimes <laughs> if you know women, if we want to step outside of the box of certain roles and norms, we have to allow that capacity for men as well, and not judge them harshly as being trash just because they didn't open your door today. That's all. Yeah. But men are really clueless sometimes. So that's why I'm like, <laughs> now, now if I'm about to walk into a building and you yeah. don't open up the door, that's usually the bigger tale to me than if you just don't open up a car door when we're both about to go. So especially like, let's say we're about to just go run an errand. We're just go run a Chipotle. You don't have to open my door every time, but if I'm about to walk into a building, and you don't open the door. Yeah. That, that's a little more telling for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dave and I, have been together for a very long time and he never really was a chirp chirp because like I feel like the chirp chirp girl also is like the hunk the horn kind of girl too and it's like don't hunk the horn for me no man has ever honked the horn at me and I wish he would like <laughs> I wish, he, wish would, he would right but um for special occasions if I know I'm looking good it's like you open this door this car mm. door for me thank you mm. so I don't and, say it like that but it's just implied <laughs> and listen there are the men who will open the door for me at Chipotle I'm not saying that there aren't I'm just yeah. saying listen when it comes to again a lot of these what I consider to be more stereotypical things he said and put into this book I get it but there are nuances there are differences today there are things that I don't feel like we should just say well if a guy doesn't do this then he's trying do you get what, do you get my point no, no, I completely I, I completely understand what you're saying and and to your point earlier too is like Steve is a particular type of man that I personally would not be attracted to so therefore <laughs> would his rules of dating even apply yeah the one good thing that I love that he has said is that he has never let his wife smell his poop and I definitely Whoa. appreciate that I have not heard that Yes, he said, listen, first of all, as rich as he is, there's too many bathrooms in that house for them to be smelling each other's poop. Yeah. That's one thing. But just yeah. in general, I think 
I'm also that type of person where it's like, yeah. I don't care how long I've been with somebody. I need there to always be this level of mystery, especially with bodily fluids and functions. Yeah. yeah. That no, we're going to get that poopery. We're going to do something because I just cannot we light a candle. No, yeah, no. That's real. That's so fascinating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the non committal and the lady who wants the ring. We have Gabrielle Union's character, Kristen. And her boyfriend, Jeremy, who have been together for nine years, and she is basically living in a freaking frat house. The fact that he thought them staying up playing Call of Duty to 2 a.m. is something that she enjoys. <laughs> and then he, he went down the list and says she loves sci-fi and fantasy and all that. And it's like, yeah, but do we want to decorate our home that way, though? This relationship actually annoyed me the most just because mm-hmm. I thought it was infuriating how she never spoke up for herself, that it took her reading this book to to tell, you know, find ways of making sure that she has a say in that relationship. Uh, you're, you're nodding, Ashley. Let me know your thoughts. No, I, I can definitely understand. This is not the one that annoyed me the most. When we get to the one that annoyed me the most, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. But I totally understand that because to your point, it's like she lacked agency uh, over herself in that relationship. Like yes. remember when um, Gone Girl, how she talked about at the beginning that girl, guys love a cool girl. Like yes. you play kind of that cool girl role. Mm-hmm. She played cool girl for nine, nine years. Nine years. That's a, that's a long game. And for him to be acting like she said, She's like, he hasn't grown up because he hasn't lived through puberty yet. He's still going through it. Like, And I also, she said, I haven't required him to, which I think yes. is very valuable. Like, if he yes. really thought that all these things that they still did when they were in college, granted, in college, she probably did love doing all these things with you. It's exactly. just the onus to me was just as much on her yes. as it was on him. Because you can't yes. expect just because you're in a relationship with him for him to be able to read your thoughts and know everything you're feeling and thinking. So the fact that the home you guys live in and all of that hasn't grown that's also a product of what you have allowed so yeah what <laughs> this rule Ashley don't hate the player hate the game like that's kind of that's kind of true because he has been that person but like we're saying it is up to her to speak up I've actually been somewhat guilty of that in the sense of like I really need to be even more vocal I know my husband will have a stroke if you heard that but it's like <laughs> you know I want my cake can eat it too, but I was trying to be nice, you know, and be like, oh no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. And, and I guess what I'm talking about is just, you know, this is like long-term relationship, non-sexy issues. Like, oh, it's okay. I don't have to go to the hairdresser all the time. I could just go like, you know, whatever. Mind you, I don't have any hair right now, but this is just the theory of what I'm trying to say. And it's like, no, if I want to go get my hair done every two weeks, I want to get my hair done every two weeks. We can make it work. <laughs> Those compromises, right? The one thing I did love about the relationship, though, is it did see- still seem as if they had a friendship. Yes. And that is the one relationship we got to see that there is mm-hmm. a friendship as well as a relationship because everybody else were kind of getting in that early phase of, you know, getting romantic. Know each other. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I did, I did and like that, that about their dynamic. Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I want to clarify, my husband never said I couldn't do it. I just did it. I just didn't speak up. Like, I just was like, oh, this will work. Cause it worked when we first started, you know, our lives together, when we 
literally all we had was an apartment and student loan debt. You know what I mean? But it's like for all of us who know Dave, I know <laughs> there's plenty of people in Recap Nation who don't. We know how Dave is. So so he's not that man. It was just me at all not speaking up for myself, you know. So Dave, guys, is one of the loveliest guys you will ever encounter. Truly. It's the best hugs, too. That's how you know he's a good person, too. Warm hugs, like Olaf. <laughs> All right, Ashley. We have the single mother and the mama's boy. Do now, you- this was the most annoying relationship <laughs> in the film for me. <laughs> and yes, there's some baggage in my dating history as to why. <laughs> so we have Candace and we have Michael. They run into each other again. She made up her mind that her life is going to change because she had this book in hand at Barnes and Nobles. She runs into her high school mate and he apparently had a major crush on her and they connect. But there's a problem, Ashley. Loretta has her fingerprints all up and through his life. I thought in some ways it was great on how open and how he embraced being with a woman with a child because I feel like you know he's been through that however at the same time his relationship with his mother was entirely unhealthy Mm -hmm. the fact that he still slept over on Sunday nights in his childhood bedroom that had never changed the fact that he prioritized or almost inserted into his mother's life as kind of a partner. Like, I think that's where it goes too far. Like, I think it's great to have a great relationship with your parents and with your mother, but I think you need to cut, draw the line at companionship. You're not her companion. You're her son, you know, that's real. Yeah. And once she came into the picture and he saw how his mother was treating her and trying to pretend like she hadn't heard anything about her and all this and that, like you could tell that there's this level of competitiveness that shouldn't exist between your partner and your mother. And they showed it that obviously it's been a pattern because at the beginning of the movie, he was dumped because of his relationship with his mother. So obviously it's not the first time this is being brought to his attention either. Woo, great point. One of the parts in their relationship that I thought was interesting that the movie highlight highlighted was the conversations that guys have when there's a new dating prospect versus women. So the guys were asking about tits and ass <laughs> and the women were talking about the books that he's read in intelligent conversations. Do you feel like this is just simply an over-exaggeration or do you think this is true? Over-exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, again, I do have guy friends. I have gotten a chance to sit in and I know sometimes guys will change their conversations if there's a woman in the room. But I have some very, very long time guy friends that I feel like I get more of the legit from. Yes, Yes. there are conversations about women's bodies, but it's also, too, a product of age because as men grow and mature, they also so their conversations. Mm. So do what they're looking for in a potential partner and all of that. So, again, stereotypical, like you're giving me the most base basic of what these situations could be (laughs) there were definitely an simplification of you know male female dynamics yes yes, cisgender heteronormative yes yes. all of those to the point where it did make women look desperate which is why i actually didn't enjoy the movie 
10 years ago because I'm just like are we really running (laughs) to hear what this man has to say because you know act like a lady think like a man Ashley is well reviewed for Goodreads which is a popular reading you know website when it comes to ratings it has 44,615 reviews and it's rated at 3.8 out of four stars. So it's actually not a bad rated book. However, if you get to the comments, the comment sections are, is just so polarizing. It's either, oh my goodness, this is great advice, or this is the most misogynistic thing I've ever read <laughs> in my entire life. And here's the thing too. Google users also rated the book at 93%, Ashley. I didn't know there were book ratings on Google. (laughs) I've never paid that much attention either. But again, who all is reading it? Is it what what age groups are reading it makes a difference? Like there's a lot of factors that go into it to me because I think people who gravitate towards these type of sections of books, self-help, love, all those things, you know, I think that's possibly more of what they're looking for, you know, than if you were just like, oh, I'm looking for something good to read. Do I like this or do I not like this? So, but my question too about this was, I feel like it's a battle of the sexes. And my question is, if there's a battle of the sexes, what's the prize? Like, aren't we all looking for love and companionship in our lives? Like, why does it have to be that men have some level of an advantage? Because what's the point of your advantage? (laughs) What's the point? Well, I mean, (laughs) they have more variety. And that's the general idea, right? Yeah, but to what end? To what end? You know, again, to what end? Like, if you want to continue to be the player your whole life, I get it. I see it then. But otherwise, to me, it's like the whole battle of the sexist thing. I just don't understand because you end up possibly just playing yourself at the end of the day. You probably have some wonderful people that may have come into your life. But mm, yeah, you want to play that game. Ashley, we have our final couple, the dreamer and the woman who wants her own man. This relationship was very interesting because it was built on pretense. We have Dominic, who is the main guy in the guy group, and Taraji P. Henson's Lauren. She saw a fine man in a bomb-ass car (laughs) checking her out, and she thought, this is the man I was waiting for. One of the things that I noticed about her character is that her list is pretty strict. So you're saying she's chilly. You're saying she's chilly. What are your thoughts on having a very strict list when it comes to finding your partner? I think it just makes it even more difficult, right? Because as I said, when we first started this conversation, I think there's a difference between, especially as you get more into life and experiences, your expectations versus what actually makes you happy in reality. And so I think you can have this list of great attributes, but then you may just find somebody who's great on paper, a la something new. You find that guy that's great on paper, then you're sitting there, y'all are both working on your laptops together. You're like, this is boring AF. Where's the spice to life that I thought I was looking for and was going to find with this person? So Mm -hmm. I think it just keeps you possibly boxing in your party, but also boxing in yourself because you may find somebody who may not fit that criteria who was really the person that you would have had a great partnership with. So Dominic and Lauren connect and 
I didn't mention he is a dreamer because he's he went to culinary schools, but he has a bunch of odd jobs at the restaurant. So he does work in the kitchen, but he also parks cars, i.e. chasing after Taraji. But the guys convinced him to omit the truth. Do you have any thoughts on omitting the truth? Isn't it just a lie? It is. Absolutely. He was (laughs) lying to her. One of the things that I noticed um, watching this movie again was that even in her conversation, she did start reading the book, right? She played small. What did you think about that? Do you feel like women always have to shrink themselves when they're in relationship with men? Speaking, you know, I'm speaking from a heterosexual perspective. Yeah. In what way do you think she played small? She did not tell him what her COO role was even in her conversation with her best girlfriend uh, Regina Hall's character she brings it up in conversation freely that's what I that's what I meant by her playing small I think she has probably had experiences in history and life have told her that if she shows a man all of who she is immediately career-wise, then it's a turnoff because she's usually the most successful between the two of them. I mean, they spoke to the fact she was the youngest COO ever at her company. I believe she worked for Essence. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. she had a very prestigious career. And to a lot of men, if we're talking again, stereotypically, that is intimidating. Um, Men aren't necessarily looking for a woman who's more successful than them um, career-wise and financially. So I think that was supposed to be the point of that. Did I like to see it? No, but it, I mean, he was lying too. So it's, or she wasn't lying, but it matched their conversation matched because neither one of them wanted to talk about work her because she was afraid it was going to be a turnoff because yeah. she was so successful. Him he was afraid it was going to be a turnoff because he's not successful, right? Exactly, exactly. So in all of these relationships, the women were applying the roles, asking the men about their short-term and long-term goals. I think it's really interesting, especially with the non-committal relationship, how he didn't take her seriously. And that really bothered me because I'm like, We've been together for nine years. Why are you surprised if I'm asking you for about the next nine? Like, I don't understand that. I don't know. That bothered me. I wish they would have elaborated more on his mindset. Like, I feel like in real life, a lot of times there are reasons why a guy hasn't proposed yet by that time, whether it was we started dating so young that I'm just now coming into my own. So before I commit, I want to make sure that I have my situation together or whether it was actually never planned on getting married. Like, you know what I mean? They never illuminated his mindset as to why he had waited so long. And I wish we could have gotten that. I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of that because I don't think it was just for no reason. Yeah, I thought it was cute that when Candace asked Michael about his short-term goal, he told her it was to give her a kiss. I thought that was so sweet. That was so cute. You know, they're working these rules out with these men. Maya is holding out very strong with Zeke and he is along for the ride. We get levels of intimacy in their relationship when it comes to actually having conversation and not, you know, banging and leaving. And what I love about it is like, He's complaining about not being able to come up for a quote unquote nightcap, but he was like, you're going to see her again. Right. But Cedric said that to him. He was like, of course that we're seeing each other on Saturday. I'm like, <laughs> this stuff does work. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, 
women again speaking from heterosexual relationships I feel like we are taught to give our time away or give of ourselves in all types of relationships that in romantic relationships, the pussy held power. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm alluding to a 40 year old version. (laughs) So do granny panties actually work that trick? I don't know. Never done it. (laughs) Don't own a pair. Don't know. <laughs> I am being real messy with that question, but I had to ask. I had to ask. But yeah, speaking of the actual intimacy of the relationship, we find out that he was once a songwriter and had a career. And another funny question I had, I'm like, oh, you remember CDs? <laughs> One thing I thought about this, though, was would they have gone the distance if she had not initiated this professional aspect to their relationship where she was helping him to achieve his goals? Because there was a point where it seemed like he was about to try to end it. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, wait, I got a tickets to John Legend. And then, oh, wait, I gave your demo to my uncle, who's a producer. Yeah, that's so a good point. It just made me curious as to would we have continued down this path if I had not somehow dangled something in front of you that was valuable to you in a different way? So, you know what I gathered, especially from his reaction to that is like, oh, this is what a healthy relationship looks like mm, <laughs> where you're helping think me about you achieve. Well, well, it's just like by her asking him about, you know, short term, long term goals or even him being able to have opened up about being a songwriter, which is something he had never done. When someone genuinely cares about you, they follow up, they listen, they they help you know, help you achieve what you want to do. But he had never gotten that far. Down the rabbit hole. Exactly. So yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So Ashley. I love that optimistic answer because my (laughs) pessimistic view at first was like, so I got to give you this gem of a opportunity for you to stay engaged. But that's a great, that's a great outlook, Laura. Thank you, Ashley. So D-Day happens, Ashley, and the guys realize that all of their girls are asking them the same questions, essentially making them have to work in their relationships. <laughs> their relationships didn't come necessarily as easy as they it just, had once before. They feel like they've been bamboozled. Yes. And of course, with this whole product placement, Where's this book? Oh my goodness, it's sold out. Where can we find it? <laughs> and then Loretta herself had a copy of the book. And these and these men conspire to, as they put it, when you're taking the test and already have the answers. Do you feel like the guys were justified in feeling like they were bamboozled? I don't feel like it was justified. Because again, it's like they were reading essentially like a self-help book. But the fact that all of them are having this conversation, all the women are asking the same question at the same time. Again, are we all supposed to be operating from the same public? It reminded me of like two could play that game Remember with Vivica Fox and Morris Chestnut. Yes. Where yes. it's like first she had the power. Now he has the power. Like mm-hmm. it's just this. It was just that interesting dynamic again of like 
what is the ultimate goal? Like these women are obviously trying to establish relationships with you. It's not like they were trying to harm you in some way. So then now all of a sudden y'all want to take this and turn the tables and you know what I mean? It was just, it was a little ridiculous, very, very ridiculous to me. And I like to mention that this D-Day was happening on Cedric's divorce party. Um, I want to highlight a couple of things that made me really laugh. The name of the strip clubs that Cedric would go to, the uh, stripper at the Sweaty Crack. (laughs) (laughs) The party bus they were on was called the Ass Factory. Girl, rolling. Okay. Have you ever done a party bus? I have um, for my girlfriend's wedding. All the wedding party was on a party bus. So it was a very clean experience. So maybe I haven't really <laughs> partied, partied on a party bus, but I don't know. Actually, we need to do that one of these days. Okay. I'll bring the strippers. <laughs> With the guys having the answers, when it comes to Michael and Candace, she was sick of his antics, like to the point where she was having the we need to talk conversation. And he thought it would be a good idea to tell her that she's the number one woman in his life, but turn his mama's phone calls into work. I was like, is he insane? Is he does he want to die? Like, I don't understand <laughs> the logic behind that, Ashley. What about you? ridiculous ridiculous so now we're just flat out lying now your mother is a secret like again is this your woman is this the other woman michael (laughs) with gabrielle union's character she was trying to push her boyfriend to you know want more out of his career so she she even went as far getting him connected to apply for a job that he claimed that he applied to but he didn't Ashley that part really pissed me off to no end (laughs) to the point where when you saw the resume resume that said blah 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 I I put in my notes I'm like would I have stayed no like you if you can't take your own life serious you don't need me in it did they say what he was doing for a living prior to that he was a junior's I'm assuming software person, but he never aspired to be senior or more. And he had been in the role for some time because he obviously likes to be comfortable. (laughs) And it's not like he doesn't have the capacity or the talent, obviously. And he works in tech. Like, so speaking to all of these things that he still had in the house, all these trinkets, he he's a nerd but at least he has a he could possibly have a high paying nerdy job you know i i use nerd in the nicest sense of like <laughs> you know you may have got picked on in high school but you making all the money now you know what all i mean the money that's now. how i mean it so yeah i mean it was just it was frustrating because again it did seem like he had such potential but she had to be the one to draw it out of him and again, lying. There's no point in lying to me about it. The computer, you had a computer issue. You work in software. Yeah, that's why I'm like, you must think she's an idiot. But she didn't She didn't pick up on any of that mess. When it comes to Zeke and Maya, I believe he called her the girlfriend, his girlfriend before he found out about the book. However, 
he did a I love you girl to your point earlier when she revealed that her uncle liked his song and you know wanted to move forward do you think that I love you was intentional or do you think he meant it no it was a slip of the tongue he when he told said the thing about the girlfriend that was after the book because they had run into his little friend yes okay and it was like oh what do you do you know again the manipulation side of it but no it was a slip of the tongue with the I love you little did he know that unlocked the box the cookie jar as they say (laughs) and then with the dreamer as we mentioned before they had the best chemistry out of all the couples connecting on the very first night and all the time in between she got caught up in la la land but she came very quickly down to earth when that freaking car showed up in that valet could you have done it oh man no i've words. had this situation <laughs> in reality with a car situation and i'm not a super superficial person in terms Neither of like you have to drive this this and that i don't drive this this and that but Same. Same. man there that car oof that was beyond rough. that was rough. beyond and so if that was rough for me it's unimaginable what would have been going through her mind and then you have the other chick who looked at you like ew, that's you that's ew, you the judgment the judgment yeah but i think that's where she was losing me a little bit because it's like you're 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 either going to be with this man who you know is let's be nice and say building right (laughs) um you gotta take it for all it's worth now i i feel like this is where women get caught up when they start buying men who don't have anything stuff (laughs) just because it's like let me go ahead and hook you up with a a, at least a ford because this right here belongs in a junkyard okay (sighs) rough but I have to admit, I completely forgot Morris Chestnut was in this movie. I didn't. I literally have Morris fucking Chestnut like <laughs> in my notes because I definitely remembered that he comes like the uh, Black Knight that he does in certain yes! films and just yes! beautiful, successful, fine, all the things. All the things. An ex-boyfriend for her who is going through a divorce. I'm like, sis, I need for you to contain your face. When he's talking about losing a wife. Okay? <laughs> like, She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry. But she dropped Dominique so quickly. Do you think that was fair? I think she, the way she did it was just so cold, right? Yes. It was like all of yes. a sudden now, he, you know, you don't, you barely even want to let you to give you a hug. Like it just felt yeah. like so cold blooded. I appreciated her honesty, though, because, again, we're talking about everybody else is kind of lying and playing these games, like just keep it a buck. If you don't want to be with me, say so. But I also felt like. After all this sexing and after all this good food and all these other things I've done for you. Yeah. Yeah. We could have had a different conversation to kind of wrap this thing up. But again, I give her brownie points for keeping it 100. Ooh, great point. And let's also not forget, she caught him in a lie because he was serving at one of her events. So that was already strike one against him. I believe the car was strike two. And 
her ex-boyfriend who in her mind was her ideal man being available. I think that was the strike three against Dominic in that relationship. So we come to the end of this film and, you know, we're wondering how things are going to wrap up, right? Well, Jeremy comes, comes around and apologize. He finally gets that job because he actually applies to it. How about that? (laughs) And he proposed, he proposed for Candace and Michael. He finally stood up to his mama, which I feel like she's probably was waiting for that. I don't think that's always the dynamic when it comes to mama's boys, but I think you finally making up your mind. I think a parent with sense would respect that. You know what I mean? And she obviously was getting her swerve on too. She wasn't that part. <laughs> she wasn't waiting on Michael. That part. At this point, she wanted her space because she's like, you got a girlfriend. I got me a boo from the church. We all good. And you just rolling up to my house like this. Like I have company. So he rolls up to Candace family reunion, declares his love, and then tells her to make him a plate. Ashley, that wasn't something that made me feel all warm inside. How about you? I drifted off at the end, honestly, because usually the end of rom-coms really annoy me. So I have to be completely honest with you and our listeners. I just kind of stopped paying attention. I went, started doing other things, playing with my hair, all sorts of stuff. So, um, how did I feel about him coming and being nice and then ask her to make a plate? Again, falls into the stereotypicalness of this film, right? How cute. <laughs> and then we just fall right into these gender roles. Like, go ahead and go ahead and make me a plate. Let me go ahead and sit down somewhere and talk to your family. No, sir. You have two hands. You have two legs. Get your ass up. Well, you know, there's a legit internet debate on for a wife, quote unquote, and a mother. Do you make your child's plate or do you make your husband's plate right? <laughs> So again, this is why I say the whole thing about men opening up the door and all of that. And if they don't, because you got me, I have been in a relationship where an older woman once told me that I needed to start getting in the habit of making my significant other's plate. I was respectful at the time and did not tell her how I felt, but I will tell you guys, that's a hell no. That's that's not firm hell no that's not going to happen and that's not to say that in relationships i do not think it's a beautiful thing when you take care of your partner and they take care of you but i do not think it is some woman's role to do these certain things particularly when you're a grown ass man and honestly i'm not gonna lie if i've already spent the time to cook the dinner Mm -hmm. you can make your plate Mm -hmm. you can make your plate Hmm. Say that part again, Delora. When I've already cooked the meal, and probably will clean after the meal, you can get your ass up and make that plate. Okay. That's <laughs> just. It's so and that's, funny. I love men who can cook because again, Same. talking about no, I don't like to cook. I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. So please give me a Dominic. Now I need you to have a better car, but please give me a Dominic. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny because my mom tried to say, she's like, oh, make, make David a play. I'm like, he's fine. He, we, this is not, this is not our relationship. He also can eat off of paper plates. How about that? It doesn't have to be a real plate. <laughs> no, we personally do not use paper plates because of, you know, we're mindful of waste and environment. recyclable environment. So we use real plates, but 
he cleans up after dinner. He makes he actually makes a Mars plate. Like he makes a Mars plate. He makes his own plate, and I make my own plate because I had cooked the whole dinner. Like <laughs> times they are a changing, folks. Times they are a changing. So again, that's that's my biggest gripe with this movie. I mean, yeah, very stereotypical, Dora. So for Zeke and Maya, you know, their their blow up was pretty ugly, especially because it happened right after she gave him the cookies. Like, I felt so sorry for her. It's almost triggering. It's like, she almost probably don't want to give it to anybody. It was triggering. She thought that yeah. note was about to be another note. Like, sorry, I yep. have to go. Only thing yep. is since you were at his house. So that's the only difference this time. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But him trying to make it up to her by singing a song that he wrote about another woman i i i didn't appreciate that i'm like it would have meant a look because you remember he was singing track seven the the song that they connected about and again because of the level of intimacy in their actual relationship he expressed that it was written by the woman that broke his heart it, uh it's kind of reminds me of uh one of our favorite podcasts with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay, Higher Learning, and they have their producer, Trudy. They were like, oh, this is your origin story of how you become a villain because somebody broke your heart. I'm trying not to laugh too hard because I was cracking up at Van when he said that. <laughs> like, this is the villainous origin story to how Trudy became a savage out here. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he was definitely one of those who had got hurt, hurt. And one thing I've always found interesting in my experience is it seems like when men get hurt, they never recover. Like never. guys, they have never. that one major heartbreak and they're like, I'm never dating a woman seriously for the rest of my life. But look how long it took George Clooney to get over his divorce. I mean, I'm just saying, I think sometimes <sighs> men take it really, really hard. So I but- can see that. Again, I wasn't impressed that he sang that song to her, but what I did appreciate was him even agreeing to do a whole nother 90 days with her because that's how much their relationship meant to him. And this was my least favorite reconciliation um, with Dominic and Lauren. So she realized that her ideal man is not her ideal man because he like her is very self-absorbed he didn't even take the time to ask her how her day was because he was too busy name dropping his friends and how much money he makes or whatnot and that's the problem with the list yes and she dumps him same day and she finds out that dominic got a loan to open up a food truck and I appreciate that he finally felt, you know, followed through on this hustle because I was with Tika when uh, <laughs> she was like, what about these other dreams? So at least I don't know if it took that heartbreak to wake him up to say like, hey, let's focus on something. But she ran to proclaim her love to him. And I don't know. I didn't like her approach. I mean, what did you think about her trying to get him back? Again, I had drifted off by this point, to be honest. But I think that one thing that I like is 
A lot of times women are seen as desperate when they are the ones who try to reconcile with a man or are in the wrong. And I think that even as women, it's worth acknowledging when we're wrong or when we, you know, need to fight for love. So in that regard, I had no problem with her coming back and trying to get back with Dominic because, again, she was a little cold when she dumped him previously. and. To his point, she had been the one who helped inspire him to kind of move forward in his career as well. So, you know, sometime a Mia Culpa, even if it's not the most beautiful version or style or approach, you know, is necessary to move forward. So she had to let the pride fall and do what she had to do to get her man. Yes, 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 yes. All right, Ashley, time for your final thoughts. My final thoughts on Think Like a Man. Again, 10 years later with 2022 vision, it's a little different than I remember from my previous experience, but I still love this cast. It's still something that going back, especially a younger Kevin Hart, seeing where Kevin Hart has come from is is so interesting. That glow up has been real, Kevin. But Um, he was definitely endearing in this role in in a way that he's not anymore. And I'm not saying that as shade, but it's like on the climb, Kevin is definitely different from you know, comedian I, made, mama, I made it. Mama yeah. I made it, Kevin. Yeah, he's he's different. It was a different time, and he definitely has glowed all the way up. But I enjoyed um again the cast just as much now as I did then. I think it's just still some points that you know are interesting to revisit. And I'll probably try to find Think Like a Man 2 as well, just to see how I feel about the sequel again now that I rewatched the original film. So that's a good point those are my final thoughts i don't i know i didn't like it as much as the first one and that's typically how sequels you know are wasn't the second one based around a wedding somebody's wedding okay yes and they were in vegas so i think it was like honestly it felt like a money grab (laughs) opportunity for the bag baby It, it actually done well in the box office because what else was going on during that time ashley the freaking hunger games so yeah major major deal so my final thoughts the reason why it gets a higher grade for me especially compared to the first time i saw it they really had some gems in the conversation that was like all black everything first off I loved all the Tyler Perry references throughout the movie. I felt like Tyler Perry's name was dropped quite often. Not nearly as much as Steve Harvey, but enough for me to notice and crack up every time. There's a part in the beginning of the movie where Dominic's character talks about for color girls. And he's like, he was like, oh, be careful of the, the weird guy who throws his kid off the window. That was him. You know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Was he was him. like, Janet gets AIDS and there's a crazy guy <laughs> who throws his kids out the window. And that was the most devastating role he's ever had. So I Girl. love that there was a, a, the ability to add levity because yes. that was devastating in that film. Girl, I remember watching that film, asking myself, why am I watching it? <laughs> like, why am I doing this to myself? Devastating, right <laughs> devastating. 
But I love, as I mentioned, All Black Everything, the Upscale magazine with Tyrese on the cover. You had the music with John Legend and Neo. You remember Neo? Neo was very much going strong. Do I remember Neo? Teasing. Girl, I was trying to say, I steal my dude. What I'm trying to say is he has, he had a strong run in the, you know, late you know, early teens of the 2000 era. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, there's his one. Um, it may have been because of you that like I have such strong memories attached to during that particular era. But I mean, I'm yeah. a Neo fan. So same, same. But I do remember the soundtrack to this movie overall being very good, actually. Um, and Typical he, black film. <laughs> the basketball players that showed up meta world peace aka ron artez matt barnes lisa leslie of course essence and these are the smaller gems that had me rolling that i absolutely did not catch 10 years ago were some of the book references they referenced an allegory of a cave by freaking plato which is a real thing and bishop don magic wand's book on how to be a pimp but, but for substance, they quoted the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks in one of the girls' book clubs. And at this point, I know I was not aware of that story, but this book had been around for a very long time. This is well before Oprah's movie. And so I was going to say, because when did Oprah's movie drop was really, I think, when it became a much bigger thing publicly. So, yeah, yeah. So I was very impressed to catch those gins 10 years later than what it was. <laughs> Again, I love your optimism. I love these pools that you're bringing out today because these are things that I was not crediting. So beautiful. That's all I got for Think Like a Man. I hope you all enjoyed this lighter flair for our start of Black History Month 2022. So if there's nothing else, it's time for hitting gins, Ashley. All right. Speaking of gems, I have two this week. I realize these should have been more Black history related, but I got y'all next time. So my first one is Cheer Netflix season two. For Cheer fans, I'm sure y'all have devoured this second season as I did, even though I have to say I've been hung up on the last two episodes just because it was so heavy compared to season one. And there's so many so many nuances to this season. We have the Jerry scandal. We have COVID. We have um, the rivalry between Navarro and Trinity. We have so many things that went into it, even though I have to say I did end up really enjoying the inclusion of the Trinity crew, um, which are m- much many more black athletes and a black coach uh, versus Navarro, um, which I also enjoyed rooting for them. Um that's a complicated question that I don't feel like Ooh. I have time for on the podcast. Okay, so maybe okay. we'll talk I haven't more watched about it, cheer. So, yeah. yeah. If we ever get back to it, guys, I can give you because I want I want the time to fully flesh out my thoughts for you guys on this. Okay. But I will say that I enjoyed it for the aspect that it did give much more representation um, in the world of cheer, having more black athletes and a black coach on that team. Um, but in general, it was heavy. I already spoiled it for myself to see how it ended. Cause I just needed to know. Cause again, it was a lot going on. Me and Delora watched dancing with stars. So I know when Monica was on the show and it was interesting to see the reactions of everybody at school. So, mm-hmm. you know, cheer season two, check it out. If nothing else for me, I thought what I, what I really enjoyed about Cheer first season was to get this bigger glimpse at the world of 
cheerleading as it really to me is a sport in the sense of what these cheerleaders put their bodies through and all of that so i feel like it really did a great service to the sport at the time um season two is heavier but i still think if you were a fan of season one you'll stick with it through season two um so that's my first hidden gem my second is a surprise for me which was Billie eilish the world's a little blurry on apple tv plus i talked about earlier laura i restarted my subscription that's why i've been watching and consuming (laughs) some apple tv plus stuff but i have to say i have a newfound appreciation appreciation for my girl Billie Eilish like really? I really enjoyed this documentary um after watching it I realized she had such agency over her art at such a young age like they they followed her and Phineas even before her first album dropped and she was so adamant about her vision for things even her videos she allowed one person to direct one of her videos and then after that she was like no one's ever directing again i'm directing my videos sometimes it bees like that and she has such a vision <laughs> like she literally had her her camera in the backyard and had her mother sitting in to show the vision that she had for this video. So for so many reasons, I watched it when I was in California. I loved this documentary and I went back and re-listened to some more of her music. And that's again, just a newfound appreciation for the artistry of Billie Eilish. Cause I remember at the time when she won all those Grammys, I didn't really know too much about her. I didn't know her story. I didn't get a chance to see how her and her brother crafted that first album and really were responsible Mm -hmm. for the creation of it in its entirety. So it was great. I encourage everybody to check it out. If you're a fan, if you're not a fan, it's worth a watch. So that's Billie Eilish. The world's a little blurry on Apple TV plus. What are your hidden gems this week, Delora? So I've had such a crazy whirlwind at work. These two brought me joy. <laughs> the first would be the Real Housewives of Potomac season oh, yeah. five specifically Mm -hmm. I'm behind and you know thank God for Hulu and I knew what went on in this season this was the big season where Monique put hands on Candace and I'm just gonna flat out say I'm team Monique now I do not believe in hitting people but Candace is a very hard very hard to defend that's all Mm. I gotta say to that so This has brought me joy. I'm not going to lie. Some of the some of the episodes brought me stress and I was like, okay, I'm a little bit under too much stress. So I got to pause, especially when the fight actually happened, because the I mean, to watch it was a roller coaster. So I can't even imagine what would have if what it felt like to be there in person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just love, you know. It's something to reality TV that just keeps it very simple and light. It was on my laptop while I was working on my other laptop and it brought me joy. And I wanted to highlight that. And I still need to catch up to season six and watch that, you know, reunion show with Nicki Minaj. (laughs) (laughs) And then I do have a second hidden gem. I didn't write it out previously because I completely forgot about it. But our conversation, specifically our hot topics from last week talking about the passing of the great Andre Leontelli reminded me of this podcast conversation that was so excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's an NPR podcast called It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders. And this is 
um, the episode January 21st. Um, it's called Remembering Andre Leon Telly. It's, as I mentioned in the Hot Topics segment, it was a conversation with three Black queer men and their understanding of you know, Mr. Leon Telly's impact um, in the world of fashion, in the world of um, the LGBTQIA community. And, you know, you know what it is like to be multifaceted. So they just talked about his impact in that way. And it was just a really great conversation. It's about 46 minutes long and it's episode 489. You can find it on anywhere you find podcasts like ours. So there's nothing else. That's all I got. All right. Well, guys, happy start to Black History Month. And we are not going to have a new episode on Thursday because it is a very special little lady's birthday. (sighs) Very, very, very special. I like to call it my mommy anniversary. How about I make it about me, right? But no, um (laughs) they do say people should honor their mothers on their birthday. (laughs) So I'm a thousand percent with you, sis. she's 34 and I cannot deal I mean she is so geeked about her birthday is the sweetest (laughs) ah little Amara she's growing up a little too fast for me just a little too fast but guess what we have another in conversation Ashley we do girl with one of your long long time friends doing the damn thing as a publicist extraordinaire, Mr. David Robinson from the David brand. Such a great conversation. He was wonderful. Fantastic and good people. And I'm just so excited for y'all to hear this conversation. He dropped gins very early on in the conversation. He was ready. He was prepared. But yeah, that's going to drop for you guys on Tuesday, February 8th. So Laura, Love you. That's all I have for today. Love you, Ashley. And I'm going to see you guys next time. Bye.